0: Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020 Campari America, New York, New York. Never compromise. Drink responsibly.
2: This is the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helman.
1: Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the August 24th edition of the Roto-Wire Fantasy Football Podcast. Two more guests today. We're going to talk about the Ravens and the Bucks. Not as sexy as earlier in the week when we did Cowboys and Pats, but uh, John McKechnie's up covering the Ravens. You're okay with having a non sexy team to cover, right?
2: Wait a second. You're, you're saying that a Joe Flacco led team is not sexy. I
1: know. It's, it's amazing. It's incredible, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so before we get to the Ravens, so I'm in the middle of this MFL draft with a bunch of my buddies that i play every year Mm -hmm. and went i was in 12th round and i picked one quarterback and i waited because everybody else is you know picking two already sure as soon as tyrod taylor went down i went oh my god i have to draft baker mayfield right now immediately but then the news changed not that i'm wishing bad things on tyrod but did you feel the same way i did
2: it almost felt like and maybe this is just because of uh the, this week i I watched office space on the plane and it, it kind of felt like that scene with the bobs where uh they stopped paying um uh milton yeah and they're they're like oh you so you fire you're gonna fire him it's like no, we, we took care of it. So it it kind of felt like the Browns are in a similar situation where they, they know that like Baker probably needs to start, but they don't want to go through the whole acrimonious, you know, Oh, we're benching Tyrod, the guy that we brought in this off season type of deal. So that it almost felt like it was going to work out for the best. If the Browns just kind of like, well, we got to start Baker now, because I think that's, that's best for the team. Honestly, I think it's time to start him already. I think he's, he's more than ready to go. So, um, I don't know. I, I kind of felt the same way that you did where it's like, okay, it's Baker time.
1: All right. Well, as we're recording this, it's about ten thirty Eastern on Friday morning right now. Uh, no news on Tyrod x-rays were negative last night. As John told me beforehand. And, uh, now, it looks like things will be fine. So uh, if you're hoping for Baker, you might have to wait a little bit. Uh, folks, before we get to the Ravens and the Bucks, check us out on Twitter. Um, John is at Johnny McKex, M-C-K-E-C-H-S. I'm at Jay helping 37 You can also catch us on Twitter at roto There's lots of player updates at roto NFL, like that Tyrod Taylor update when it comes. And you can always find us on Facebook. Okay, back to Joe Flacco. How long is he going to start?
2: I think this is one of those things where, you know, if we were having this conversation in May... Uh, I'm very much in the camp that's like, uh, well, the second that the Ravens get eliminated from the from playoff contention, this is this becomes Lamar's team, and I would I would have probably put it at like a, you know some time around Thanksgiving, uh, is when that was going to happen, but. Over the course of the last couple of months, and especially uh, through this training camp, it seems like Flacco has just really kind of separated himself and uh, kind of like made sure that uh, it's kind of known that this is his team for at least uh, this season. Uh, this is one of those situations where, you know, I follow the Ravens, I follow the beat coverage, and uh, the, the writers are never really do him a, a ton of favors or really go out of their way to, to you know, defend him, not that, like, they have, like, a bad relationship or anything, but they're not, like, trying to cover up for his mistakes or anything, so the kind of rosy tone that they've been talking about Flacco with all, all uh, training camp has kind of been surprising, and I think it's something that that's noteworthy uh, in the sense that he's going to be that guy uh, for them, and, you know, this is really his first fully healthy offseason since probably going into the 2015 season, because, you know, he had the ACL at the end of the 2015 season, and then uh, heading into last season... Uh, with it with the back injury that that kind of stunted him uh throughout training camp uh he's been you know looking good all throughout all throughout the uh the preseason games and uh, on the flip side of the coin i don't think lamar, has looked good really at all. I think he, he, uh, those issues, especially with the footwork are really showing in the, in the sense that, you know, that he has the arm and you saw it on his touchdown pass to Chris Moore this past week. But, uh, you know, for every one of those throws that he's making, he's not setting his feet and he's throwing these kind of flutter balls that are really, really just kind of, uh, not catchable, not accurate. And just, Uh, kind of weak he's you know kind of short throwing all these passes when you know everyone was talking about the cannon of an arm that he has so he doesn't look ready at all I think the Ravens end up carrying three quarterbacks I think RG3 ends up making the 53-man roster because of how not ready Lamar looks right now
1: okay so no stashing Lamar in a redraft league for you
2: uh no not that not this time around maybe next year it'll be a different discussion but for 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 2018 purposes I, I don't think that Lamar is worth some draft capital right now
1: okay Let's go to the running backs. Uh, the ADP on Alex Collins, and as usual, I'm looking at Fantasy Football Calculator. The ADP I've got is running back 17. That's standard. Um, but I also remember this time last year that we were all... The Kenneth Dixon hype was huge. And Kenneth Dixon's back, and he's, you know, he's had some injury issues in camp, right? But he's, he's playing. He's doing okay. And I, I look, I really like Alex Collins. And he finished at, what, 15? Probably 15 RB15 last year. I really like him, but I look at Kenneth Dixon. I have this wary eye if I draft Alex Collins. Do you, should, I, should I have that wary eye?
2: I don't think so. I think that Dixon, I mean, for for a time, I don't think that this is necessarily the case anymore. But, uh, you know, if, if we were having this conversation last week or two weeks ago, there there were some questions whether Dixon even ends up making the 53-man roster because of the, those nagging injuries, inability to get on the field. And it's like, well, you know, we, we need to see what we have in our number three back. And, and Gus Edwards has been playing well, uh, undrafted free agent out of Rutgers via uh, the University of Miami. And, you uh, Dixon gets on the field this past week against the Colts and does fine. And uh, so I, I don't think that he's really at risk of getting cut per se, but I think Buck Allen is pretty clearly the number two back on this team because he's a guy that uh, is good in the pass protection scheme and he's, he's the best pass catching uh, back that they have. I think he's as good or better at that task than, than a Dixon. Um, and so with that, I think that Collins is pretty safely that number one standard down uh, back. He's going to be in there on first and second down. Uh, pretty pretty regularly. I don't really worry about him getting uh, a bunch of snaps poached by a guy like Kenneth Dixon And I think that there's also something to be said for uh, John Harbaugh and his sort of doghouse effect and I know Dixon had uh, a Suspension last year that you know, he served while he was injured, but I think there's a bit of a doghouse effect in here as well So I think Collins is pretty safely that number one back and, and with that uh, He should be that that running back 17 coming off the board if not sooner.
1: Okay, so if not sooner, ha, 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 ha. There we go. So with that in mind, Collins or, or Lashawn McCoy?
2: Uh, I go Collins in that case.
1: Collins or Derrick Henry?
2: That's where it gets interesting. I think that, you know, it, it's a it's a really like how uh, risk-averse are you because Derrick Henry obviously is going to uh, need to kind of separate himself from a guy in Deion Lewis that Tennessee went out and got and kind of fits – uh, in terms of his skill set, you you would imagine that what he does uh, fits well with what Matt Lafleur probably wants to do on offense. But at the same time, I think Derrick Henry is such a ridiculous talent. I am um, a guy that that's spent up a lot on him in an auction earlier this week. So uh, if you're if you're feeling a little gutsy, then I'd say Henry. But if you if you want the safer uh, back, then Collins is your guy.
1: Okay. Um, who else? Let's see. What about Joe Mixon?
2: Uh, hmm, that's interesting. I, you know, I guess there's two ways to look at Joe Mixon. There's one where uh, you know, you, you coming out of Oklahoma, he was looking great. You know, he's a guy that's uh, size-wise, he's ready to handle a full workload, and he's a pretty talented pass catcher in his own right too. But last season was so so bad that it, it's hard to like totally wipe that from your memory. So um, I'm probably going. I think Collins is not only safer, but I think he probably uh, there's a decent chance that he actually ends up outperforming uh, Mixon this year. And you have to like kind of really overpay for Mixon. I feel like you got to get him in like the top thirty or something, uh, and that's not really where. I feel comfortable getting him.
1: Okay, I agree. Um, I'm not a big mixing guy. Um, but go back to Buck Allen. So he's basically going undrafted, right? Which is legit because he's mm. the third down back. Let's say. All right. Last year, the guy actually finished RB 27 in standard formats. I mean, he got six touchdowns, which helped. But he, as a fill-in and as a pass catcher, you know, he he racked up 840 yards or so. I mean, that's that's with that's in play for him again, right?
2: I think so. And, you know, I guess maybe, you know, uh, Kenneth Dixon's presence maybe digs into that uh, slightly. But I think overall, you know, like he's still a a good bet to to get, uh, you know, well over 500 yards from scrimmage, you know, uh, upwards of six, 700. So uh, really the the touchdowns will will kind of be uh, a huge factor here. If if he's able to kind of repeat anything close to that, if he can get four or five of them, uh, then he's, you know, he's certainly worth that like last pick of the draft type of dart. Okay.
1: Uh yeah, I think you're right. And I think it, you know, funny, I was talking about MFLs. That's the type of guy who, you know, he he the upside might not be there, but there's going to be a few weeks where he might be able to help you. And if you're picking in mm-hmm. the 20th round, there might not
2: be a lot available. Yeah, exactly. So, uh yeah, in that ca- in that case, he's a, yeah. He in that role, like you were saying, is is pretty safe for him being the third down guy.
1: Okay. Um
2: let's go to wide receiver.
1: Uh completely revamped wide receiver core here unless you're into Brashad Perriman, which I'm guessing you're not right
2: uh, no and i don't think the team is either i'll be shocked if he makes it
1: yeah that, that was too bad it, you know people i don't know who i talked with a couple weeks ago when in the first preseason game when you caught that touchdown but then it's like i got i got excited i actually looked at the i saw the highlight and and i saw the you know the the game stats and everything i'm like wow Brashad Perriman, three catches 71 yards you got a touchdown oh fourth quarter right oh well <laughs> um so now we have Michael Crabtree, we have John Brown, we have Willie Sneed. And people look at the Ravens and they go, oh, Ravens wide receiver, I'm not doing that. So Crabtree is the, you know, the top of the food chain there, but he's going at wide receiver 31 in standard formats. John Brown down at 57 and no one's drafting Willie Sneed. A- at those draft slots, who do you like?
2: I love John Brown this year. I think that, uh, you know, the, the past couple of years with the injuries and just kind of being slowed down, uh, kind of, You know, has taken some of the the allure off of him. You know, given uh, his kind of game breaking speed, that that really is kind of a reason why people uh, go after him. But it seems like he's a guy that um, he fits. He fits with uh, what Joe Flacco wants to do in terms of pushing the ball down the field. They haven't really had that downfield threat in quite some time. You know, not not since uh, Torrey Smith uh, left. So I think Brown being there, I think they have a good chemistry. I mean, you saw it. Uh, This past week when he when he uh, found him for the uh, for the touchdown in the back of the end zone and Flacco had a quote afterward where he's like I I just knew that he was going to get to his spot. So I just put it there and Brown was Brown absolutely did get there and he's been you know kind of lighting it up in camp. So Brown is the one that I'm most interested in uh, not not only for his upside but also uh, his draft day cost. I think he's going to like blow that ADP out of the water when it comes to his actual production.
1: Now, yeah, so so he's getting going in the twelfth round. The thing is, you can't trust John Brown's health, but you're not paying to. Yeah, so, exactly. Okay. All right, um, I'm there. What about Crabtree at 31? Do, do you like him there? I mean, it, Crabtree. You look at Crabtree and you go, All right, he'll catch 70 for 908 touchdowns or something. And there's something to be said for that. I mean, last year he was 50. He didn't play, but 58 for 618, eight touchdowns. It, it, I mean. He's kind of a solid, dependable guy. And and do you think he, transferring to the Ravens, moving to the Ravens, will he be a similar type of guy?
2: Absolutely. I think that this could be, uh, you know, from like the early parts of when Anquan Bolden got to Baltimore. I'm not saying that he's going to have like a, a three-touchdown game here and there or anything like that. But he's certainly the, that possession, move-the-chains type of guy uh, for this team. And, you know, he's got size to where he's effective in the red zone. Um. So I'd, I'd imagine that he ends up leading the team in touchdown receptions as well. So uh, I know that this isn't the most exciting passing game in the world, but this is still an offense that does uh, you know skew a little bit towards the pass. When when you look at it, they they I think they ranked in the top third in terms of pass attempts uh, this past season. I think that Flacco is going to uh, you know get it, turn it loose a little bit more this season, and I think Crabtree is a big part of it. Uh, I think he ends up being that wide receiver one for them probably. But I, again, I really like John Brown, but Crabtree. Uh, even for uh, how weak last season was for him and him entering his age 30 season with a new team, I think that he's maybe going a little bit cheaper than he should.
1: All right, let's go to tight end. Last year, Ben Watson finished at tight end 17, uh, 61 catches, 522, four touchdowns. They've got a lot of tight ends on this roster. It's, it's weird because, you know, prepping for the show here, I looked at and the only name in my mind was Hayden Hurst. So then I started looking at the depth chart and I went, oh, yeah, I remember going over this last year. It reminded me that they drafted, they've drafted tight ends over the last couple of years and they drafted another one this year besides Hurst.
2: Right. Yeah, they got, yeah, they got Mark Andrews.
1: It's a mess. Like, what do, can any of these tight ends be productive for fantasy owners?
2: Um, the way I see it, I think it is going to be Hurst. I think his advanced age and, and skill set kind of allows him to, to get on the field. And again, this is an offense that uh, nobody runs more uh, 12 and 22 personnel than the Ravens, which means uh, two tight end sets. And Nick Boyle, for as, as uh, much of a lock as he is to make this final roster... His utility is mostly as a as a run blocker. That's kind of how the Ravens like to use him. He's he's fine as a pass catcher, but when you spend a first round pick on a guy like Hayden Hurst, it's not for his blocking. It's for his pass catching ability. And uh, obviously, over the last few years, Flacco loves to throw it to the tight end. And and like I said, that formation wise, they always have him out there. So Hurst is another guy that I think is you know you're throwing uh late, you know late tight end or you're in a really deep league and you need a second tight end uh type of deal Hurst Hurst would be the uh, Ravens tight end that I'm going after okay
1: um what is he that if he's the Ravens tight end that you're going after but if you're late in a draft let's say it's a two tight end league or, or, or league, a roster that encourages you to draft two tight ends are you excited to have him as your tight end too or are you kind of like yeah I got to take somebody so
2: Oh, I guess, I guess, you know, if we're talking sort of end game where, where else, uh, where he's going compared to some other guys, like I'd probably like him more than like a, like a Vance McDonald or, or like a, a Tyler Croft, uh, Tyler Higby, I guess would be sort of like a, a, a decent, like 50, 50 coin flip there. Uh, I'd probably go Hurst over him. Uh, really it's like him or like Ricky Seals Jones is sort of where, uh, the, the line is drawn for me. And I've probably go ricky seals jones but uh it's actually relatively close i think hurst ends up having a pretty productive season
1: all right finally the defense they finished second last season they're being drafted seventh this season what what do you think there's a little bit of a disconnect there the ravens have i mean they have a rep that of being a fancy defense you always want and last year they certainly were what do you see from
2: them this year um, I think that uh, it, it seems like that the team has really responded to Don martindale's uh, you know ascension to being the defensive coordinator um Terrell Suggs was talking about earlier this week he says that like he's he gets the group like he gets uh, how to use these guys, how to get the most out of them. And I think that the Ravens also have a, a really deep uh, edge rushing core. I think that guys like Tim Williams and Tyus Bowser, guys that were relatively high draft picks as rookies last season, uh, especially Williams is really coming on. So he's going to be a guy that that ends up uh, being a, a bit of a force and uh so they're going to be able to get after the passer. And, I mean, you, you look at a defensive line that's got Brandon Williams. Uh, Fred Urban is healthy. He's a guy that's just so long and athletic that, you know, he's going to be batting down passes uh, like an extremely poor man's Canadian, J.J. Watt, or something. Um, and, and uh, you know, the secondary, even if Jimmy Smith is out, I think Marlon Humphrey's primed to be a, a CB1 in this league. Uh, you kind of worry about Brandon Carr maybe falling off a little bit, but they're also getting Tavon Young back in the slot as the nickel corner. Um, so this defense doesn't really have any holes in it my opinion, I think uh, also we're going to see rookie Kenny Young uh, take over next to C.J. Mosley in the middle of that linebacking core, kind of replacing or pushing out Patrick Owasso. And I think that that's that's just adding more athleticism and coverage skills to that linebacking core. So this is arguably the the best defense in the AFC. I think you know you can make cases for the Chargers and the Jags, but it's right up there in my opinion. Okay, who would you draft ahead of them in fantasy? Uh, I would say that the Jaguars and uh, probably the Eagles, and then I'd probably go the Ravens. Nice.
1: All right. Um, that's it for the Ravens. Again, he is at Johnny McKex on Twitter. John, what else are you working on these days?
2: Uh, well, DraftKings just launched their college football stuff. I'm the college football editor here, so I, I am uh, about to be extremely busy for the next <laughs> few months, start, starting right now, but uh, it's exciting. I'm, I'm really pumped that College DFS is back.
1: When College DFS was going on, I had a lot of people tell me that there's easy money to be made there.
2: There absolutely is. We got we got to talk about this. So hit me up on Twitter. We'll we'll uh, we'll get some lineups going.
1: Sounds good. All right, everybody. That's John McKechnie covering the Ravens for Roadwire. John, thanks a lot for joining me. Th- thanks again, folks. Fantasy football evolution is back for 2018 and better than ever. You spoke and we listened. We've added mock drafting, moved the championship final to NFL Week 16, and made a setting. Made setting up a private competition a snap. Join us and play the game you love as it was meant to be played. Fantasy Football Evolution's unique three-stage format delivers the best of season-long football without the never-ending drafts or late-season absentee owner and waiver wire antics that can develop in traditional leagues. Play as an individual or be the commissioner of your own private league. You'll get 16 weeks of action for just twenty-seven dollars, and for that, you could be the next Fantasy Football Evolution twenty-five thousand-dollar champion. You can maximize your chances by owning multiple teams. There's optional auto draft and lineup assist that can help you manage those with ease. It's all here. So what are you waiting for? Register now, fantasyfootballevolution.com, and join the evolution. Availability varies by states. Visit our website now for details. Again, that's fantasyfootballevolution.com. All right, we did the Ravens. Next up, Juan Carlos Blanco, who covers the Bucks for Rotowire. He is JC Blanco22 on Twitter.
3: What's the 22 for? Oh, that's the uh Day of the month of uh, birthday, so... That's what I do, too. I, I, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Always carry that around everywhere I go.
1: <laughs> I didn't know if it was some famous book. Are you a fan of the Bucks or a, a beat writer of the Bucks or both? Uh,
3: you know, I'm, I've developed into both. Um, I was a Cowboys fan for a long time, so you could say 22 also defaulted to Emmett Smith as yep. well for a long time. But, um, you know, covering the Bucks uh, the last three-plus years for RotoWire wire too, of course, uh, just become more of a fan and, and more of a follower okay. by, a, by a long shot.
1: All right, uh, and your, your birthday's Groundhog Day, so...
3: Oh, uh, yeah, October 22nd, actually. Oh, no, the, sorry, uh, I thought it was February
1: 2nd with the 2-2. Yeah. No. Okay, gotcha. Yeah.
3: <laughs> All right, so uh,
1: let's start with the Bucks with Jameis. So Jameis Winston suspended the first three games of the season. Because of that, he's free, right? is right. going fantasy-wise. I'm a fantasy football calculator. He is being drafted as QB21, Behind Alex Smith, behind Derek Carr, behind Dak Prescott, head of Eli, Case Keenum, Tyrod, Trubisky, Joe Flacco. Um, Trubisky, wow. Uh, that's another. That's a story for another day. We're not doing the Bears. But Q, per game, Jameis was QB 13 last year. The last five games, he averaged 315 through nine touchdowns. When he gets back in week four, what should we be looking... Now, does he get back in week four? Because they've got a bye in week five. So do they bring him back for four and seven? I mean, is he... Is there a situation first where you say, "Oh well, Ryan Fitzpatrick's playing well, let's keep him in"?
3: Yeah, all indications to me are that that won't happen. Um, week four is is his return date. I don't think there's going to be much budging from that, and uh, I think he'll be uh, he'll be chomping at the bit too to get back. You know, uh, alluding to what you were just saying, I do think he's definitely uh, going lower than he should uh, in, in drafts right now, and. Just taking a look at a couple things, I, I, part of this is, uh, admittedly, it's a little bit of speculation and intangibles, but I really think this whole situation and, and actually being handed a, a three-game suspension has is, is been a wake-up call for him of sorts. Um, he's kind of in an interesting point in his career. You know, next uh, season, his his team option is not yet picked up. It's not guaranteed for 2019. It's only guaranteed against injury. So technically, uh, you know, as far-fetched as this might have sounded at one point, he's he's not exactly a lock uh, as of yet, uh, especially with what happened to him this offseason. So uh, I think... Even judging by his preseason play so far, I have just taken a look at the numbers here a little bit ago, and 77.4% uh, completion percentage so far through two games. He's looked very sharp. And the other thing is, I think, uh, head coach uh, that Dirk Cutter has been really, really good about balancing out his reps, making sure that, you know, playing, he's kind of walking that fine line of making sure he gets Fitzpatrick ready for the first three games, but also, He's making sure that Winston's getting enough time with the first-teamers, giving him plenty of work in the first two preseason games to make sure that it's going to hold him over for that that three-week period. And he's just looking exceedingly sharp. And and it hasn't always been against second- and third-teamers this last week. He did get in a a lot earlier into the game, and he did face the Titans' uh, first-team defense there for a bit and looked very, very good. All right, so if Jameis... Let's say the
1: suspension didn't exist. Right. Where do you think you'd be drafting him?
3: Yeah, I still think even without, yeah, without the suspension, I mean, he'd be, he'd probably be going, I would say somewhere in the top 15 of of quarterbacks uh, on average uh, in most formats. And, and I think that that would be justified uh, going into his fourth season. And like you said, showing what he showed last year, especially at the end, toward the tail end of the campaign. So,
1: all right. Um, Mm -hmm would you draft him
3: Ben Roethlisberger yeah. ahead of Ben Roethlisberger? I would not draft him ahead of Ben Roethlisberger. Um, but given the amount of, uh, of weapons too, that, that he'll have, which we haven't even touched on really yet, just given the, you know, the, the, the shelf is, is stocked uh, really well right now on offense uh, for, for the bucks. I would, you know, put him. Uh, a little bit below the level of a Roethlisberger, but just below it, I would say at this point. Um, I really just think that he's, uh, he, he's going to be uh, going for it all this year knowing what's, what's on the line for him. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, back to Fitzpatrick. So Fitzpatrick starts, you're, you're always looking, it's some, depending on the way you draft, I don't want to say you're always looking. Right. Some people like to stream quarterbacks. I know I do. I like to draft him late. I stream him when I can. Um, you know, DFS is a factor here if it's right fantasy discussion sure. Ryan Fitzpatrick's filling in for Jameis is at the Saints home for the Eagles and home for the Steelers that's awful right that's awful
3: <laughs> yeah he couldn't have drawn a shorter straw in that in that whole equation there I think but and, and honestly it's I was thinking about this uh, today that you know if if with Fitzpatrick, the story of his career has been if Chan Gailey's not calling his plays, he, he doesn't seem to be anywhere near the same quarterback. Uh, that's where he that that's the offense he seemed to thrive in the most. His three best seasons uh, came uh, under that, uh, you know, under that play calling. But he did he did hold his own last year, you know, filling in uh, three and a half games, I call it basically, or three and three quarters games. He did the three starts and he also uh, came in early uh, when Winston had to leave with the shoulder injury the first time around earlier in the season and we saw he had you know his numbers look just fine from last year he's looked there's another guy who's looked very good in preseason so far uh in limited action and but like you said I and mean, he's got to run the gauntlet with those three defenses um it was taking a peek about uh, at even you know just trying to squeeze every last bit of potential production out of him since he can get some yards uh, on the ground as well he, he does pick up He's a mobile guy, and he can get some yards on the ground. Uh, the Saints were a bottom 10 team in, in rushing yards allowed to quarterbacks last year, but the uh, the Steelers and the Eagles are among the stingiest yeah. in all aspects against quarterbacks. He, it's, it helps that two of the games are at home. Um, I don't think he's, uh, he's the worst streaming option for those first <laughs> three weeks, but... Um, you know, I think I think he'll hold his own mainly because he does have plenty of weapons around him uh, and that'll help him. And of course, he's got a ton of experience and it should, his three games, I think, is about his shelf life usually as a backup uh, before he starts to get exposed. Okay. So I think, I think he'll be adequate and the, the people around them, the, the offensive skill players around them are the ones that are really going to help prop him up uh, to at least decent uh, performances, I think. OK, that's fair. Yeah. Let's move to running back.
1: Talking about the weapons. Well, let's talk about it. There's, we're going to start with a negative. Right. A couple of weeks ago, we're doing this again. It's, uh, it's August 24th. A few weeks ago, Ronald Jones was rising. Uh, yeah. And, and I know I liked him. He was, let's say, fifth round. And I know I liked him be, uh, among the, what I keep r- referring to is the non-Saquon rookie backs. Mm-hmm. That the path to playing time seemed more open for Ronald Jones than it did for all the other ones. There there was a roadblock, you know, I mean Rashad Penny had Chris Carson and 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 uh, Royce Freeman has Devontae Booker, whatever you think of Devontae Booker. I don't particularly like him and I think you know Freeman will be fine. You, you looked at the box and you went, Man, I mean this this right here. It's sitting they drafted this guy in the second round. It's right here for him to play. And it has just not gone well in camp for Ronald Jones. Is he a lost cause for this season?
3: Right. Well, I don't think he's a lost cause once the games start. I, I think uh, his talent's going to gonna shine through eventually. But um, there's no question or, or arguing with what you just said either. I, I was guilty of the same type of assessment, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, uh, not only based on what I thought Jones could do, but also... Honestly, looking at Peyton Barber as a little bit more of a, of a plotter, I know that he's you know he, he earned his uh, lead back status going into uh, camp by doing very well la- you know toward the end of last year, solid solid performances, and when Doug Martin was finally uh, benched for good. But uh, honestly, he doesn't he doesn't strike you as anything special uh, that can't be overcome by a second round pick with the talent of Jones. Uh, and so I felt the same way. But honestly. Uh, not only has Barber proven me me wrong, but Jones has proven me wrong so far in those in those first two games. Again, we're, of course, we're talking about a small sample, but the eleven carries for twelve yards over the first two preseason games. There's just no no uh, getting around those numbers, and then the pass catching issues. You know, they they've been making uh, quite a bit of that uh, in in Bucks media because uh, he had you know just uh, modest production through the air in college. But again, the argument was he really wasn't asked to do much of that uh, with his speed. They figured as a pass catcher, if we develop him, he's going to be, uh, you know, lethal in space out there. And, well, one, one second, yeah. but, but,
1: but what was it? The offense coordinator or the, or the running backs coach who said something recently to the effect of, well, there's a reason they only threw to him 17 times.
3: Yeah, I think it was actually um the, uh, on the offensive coordinator side. Okay. <laughs> uh, but at the same time there's been a couple of incidents uh, a couple times in camp uh, where you know he has made some nice catches down the field, not just the uh, kind of gimmies out of the out of the backfield. So he's got the he's got the potential uh for that and on the running side of it, it there there's been a lot of to be fair to him, he's been running behind some second-team offensive lines, and honestly, the depleted nature of the Bucks line so far in camp, uh, the, the second-team line has been more like filled with third- and fourth-teamers in some cases So by the time he gets in the game. So, uh, you know, a, a lot remains to be seen once the once the games start and they've got their full starting five up there up front, I think.
1: All right, so over to Peyton Barber. So, so now on Ronald Jones you're going into a draft where are, are you happy now to get him at a bargain price or are you still looking gone? Eh, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to work.
3: Yeah, I think, I think I'm happy to get him if, if it's a bargain enough uh, uh, price, uh, because I just think that the upside is definitely there. And I don't think they're going to be sitting on him. Uh, just, um, you know, and sidelining him for for Peyton Barber, no matter how good par- Barber's doing, I think you know he's going to earn his fair share. I do think that Barber may ultimately, you know, kind of keep a semi lead back role for the entirety of the season, but I think Jones is going to get more than his t- fair share of touches. And and you know, one other thing too that uh, we haven't we talked about Winston's kind of uh, iffy, uh, potentially iffy future. Dirk Cutter and the whole regime is running out of time uh, in yeah. Tampa too. And he's and and the offense lands squarely on his shoulders. So I, I really think that he's gonna he's gonna go for broke in his own right in a certain way this year too to make sure he gets uh, something somebody with that high a uh, degree of uh, talent and high of uh, selection in the draft out there on the field as much as he can.
1: All right, let's go over to Barber again. Yeah. So when the more I heard about Jones's troubles in camp, the more. I got excited about Peyton Barber's opportunity right. right he played okay last year when he played, but I mean yeah. right now he's going still over the last week running back forty one you know eighth round. I mean people still aren't that excited about him and and you're not the only person you use the word plotter and you're not the only person to to refer to him in that type of way that I've heard. I feel like I've heard it a lot so <laughs> so there's a difference between opportunity and 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 ability certainly you're looking at this team you're a fantasy owner when you get down to round eight or so do you go heck yeah Peyton Barber or do you go yeah still I mean I don't know no thanks
3: yeah I I do have I think a a little bit more faith at this point and more than the average uh, person who doesn't maybe follow the buck's ass closely me Uh, he's still like you said he's he's not a name out there that's going to excite you and he's not a name that really is going to jump out to a lot of people but uh, not only is the opportunity going to be there at least early in the season. Yeah, I think they've made it clear that look, Barber is the starter right now, and Jones obviously hasn't hasn't earned anything yet. So, for for starters, he he's going to have a nice opportunity at the beginning of the season. They're probably going to you know with these three games, they're probably going to want to limit Fitzpatrick's exposure if they can uh, to you know and get his pass attempts into a manageable number. So that means that should mean a lot for uh, a lot of work for Barber too. And in addition to that, one thing is he did, uh, you know, he put into work this offseason, reportedly lost 15 to 20 pounds. So that plotter status may no longer apply as much. He's looked very uh, quick, you know, in preseason games compared to last year and in practice by all reports. And and he's, he's gotten the production to back it up so far over the first couple of exhibitions. So th- there may be a little bit more quickness to his game this year, too, which is something we need to account for. And he's a decent pass catcher out of the backfield. You know, again, not, not somebody who's been asked to do that a lot either, but he did have 16 receptions on, on 19 targets last year in, in part-time duty. So Gotcha. Yeah. All right.
1: Hey, folks, is your league still rocking that old tired trophy? You don't play fantasy little league, so why does your trophy suck? Finally, there's a unique and customizable fantasy football trophy to represent your hard-earned victory. Trophy Smack offers over 1,000 trophy options to choose from. Sizes range from 20 inches to 56 inches and include up to 19 years of free engraving and free shipping on all trophies. Give your league something worth bragging about. Level up your fantasy smack talk and customize your trophy today. And with Trophy Smack Swap Tops, every year the league champ can update the trophy to represent his or her hard-earned victory. The league champ can keep the topper and plaque as a reminder of what it takes to be number one. Throughout the year, Trophy Smack releases new and exciting toppers so there will always be something fun and downright amazing to choose from. Upgrade your league trophy today and get a free $59 championship ring to keep as your own. Use promo code RotoRing, that's Roto, ROTO RING. That's R O T O RING. R I N G when checking out with your trophy and ring in your cart. Visit trophysmack.com and use promo code ROTO RING to get your free championship ring. That's Roto R O T O R I N G. ROTO RING. Upgrade your trophy today at trophysmack.com. Thanks a lot TrophySmack. Yeah, I'm I'm in leagues, Juan Carlos. I've never, we don't do the trophies and, uh, you know, things like that. I mean, I need to. I need (laughs) to have something in my office to stare at to validate my fantasy success. And I just don't have it.
3: Yeah, tangible or a championship belt of some sort. I know some companies do that too, but you know, some uh, some leagues do that too, but trophies are trophies are a beautiful thing and no one uh, no one can ever take those from you. Yeah, Trophy Smack. You're, you got to check
1: out TrophySmack.com, everybody. That's a pretty that's a really good idea. And I love the championship ring idea. I think it's great. All right, let's talk receivers here. Mike Evans. Um last year, that stunk. Mike Mm -hmm. Evans. You drafted Mike Evans in the first round. You're all excited because the year before he was, what, 83 catches, whatever it was. And last year he finished wide receiver 22. Mm -hmm. 71 catches, 1,001 yards, five touchdowns.
3: Is it him? Was it Jameis? What was the problem? Yeah, it's a combination of both. And one of the things that, that concerns me a little bit about him as far as a career trend kind of here at this point is two out of the last three seasons, just really poor catch rates in particular. 52.2% last year, You know, 71 uh, receptions on, a, on 136 targets. So he he had, uh, you know, two years uh, prior to that in 2015, it was even worse. Uh, I think it was a combination of like, uh, possibly being put into some tough tough situations with throws, but, uh, and of course not having Jameis for three and a half games, uh, he was uh, so-so with uh, with Fitzpatrick uh, throwing the ball to him too. So it was kind of a perfect storm, maybe of a few negative uh, uh, conditions for him. I, I think also that, you know, he's never been a burner as far as, you know, getting down the field and gaining separation and uh, honestly, even though we don't think of him as an older guy, I mean he's only going into his fifth season. I think that the the longer he goes, the the harder it may be for him to to gain separation and get some of those easy uh, receptions. Uh, he's got the big body to shield off defenders, but there were many times last year where I just saw defenders right on him. You know, when the ball was was get going to him and. He doesn't, uh, you know, kind of like what's happened maybe a little bit to Des Bryant over the years, even though he himself is not a, a guy of a, too advanced of an age. But every year seems a little bit more problems gaining separation. Um, you know, that said, you know, as, as far as a red zone target goes, uh, you know, you know, he's going to get plenty of looks there. That's for sure.
1: All right. So top of the third round
3: inside the top 10 receivers, you in or out? Um. Inside the top 10 receivers, I may put them right on the periphery of that. Uh, You know, maybe even uh, getting into, you know, maybe 11 or 12. um, You know, off the top of my head, you know, you could think, you know, of course, all all the obvious guys. But there may be more than a few coming on that that might surpass him right now, at least going into this season. Uh, He could obviously prove us wrong.
1: Okay. So Evans or Stefan Diggs?
3: I'd go with... uh, Actually, would give Diggs a a slight edge there, especially with Kirk Cousins behind, uh, you know, under center. Evans or Ty Hilton? Hmm. That's actually a close call, and I'd actually even give Hilton uh, mm. a slight edge there because, again, of who's going to be throwing him the ball right. this year. Evans or Tyreek Hill? Um, I'd have to give hill you do not not like mike evans Uh, you don't like him i have i have just a a hard time with him after after last season but um you know i don't want to overstate that either but i just think again it happens to be that these three guys that we've just talked about are are in very very good situations and and also evans you know the other thing too now again is going to be just more mouths to feed in in tampa Mm -hmm. that's the other thing um you know we haven't gotten to the tight ends yet, but uh, you know we know what what we've got there is is two guys who, who are going to command their fair share, and then of course the receivers, uh, the rest of the receiving core. There's some talent there.
1: All right, so so by those three guys are the guys going directly after Evans on the wide receiver lists at Fantasy Football Calculators ADP. So right, you you, right. you are you are most likely not going to own Mike Evans. It looks like to me, and that I think is a telling. Right. I don't want to overstate what you said, but it's it's an interesting <laughs> outlook. All right. The other receivers, man, so Chris Godwin is very trendy and Deshaun right. Jackson is the opposite of trendy because he's, you know, 30, 31, whatever he is. And, he, you know, his production has dropped. And last year it wasn't terrible. He I mean, was 50 right. for 6, 68 and 3. He was in the 40s somewhere wide receiver. Like he's, he's the kind of guy, he could be your fourth receiver, but he's always a boomer bust type. Is either one of these guys going to be on, on a decent number of your fantasy squads?
3: Yeah, I think so. I think that they're you know the the current trends that you're that you're talking about are half right. I think Godwin has earned the right. He he does deserve to be trending in the right uh, upward, no doubt about it. Uh, for a couple reasons that we'll get into, but Jackson uh, being ignored. Uh, you know, is, is I think a big mistake in, in most cases, as long as you're not taking them too early. I think that, yeah, the last year, it was a rough first year in Tampa for him it, by his standards. I guess you could say by what the expectations were, um, you know, he had a career low uh, yards per catch, but that was still a, a 13.4, you know, a decent number for a lot of receivers for him that we're used to seeing numbers in the 17s and the 20s uh, with his downfield speed, you know, that, that kind of looked mediocre. And again, it was a career low figure for him. Uh, just three touchdowns. Uh, you know, th- there was quite a, just like with Evans, there was, there was some quarterback issues there as well. Uh, Winston had a lot of trouble hitting him deep. That, that was one of the things that really was, it was a problem. And that's where he's made his bones, you know, over his career. So, you know, that's, that's where, you know the numbers came up short last year. I don't think it's going to be the same case this year. Just another year of having, you know, haven't played a year together, having worked a lot this offseason together. Uh, Jackson actually spent more time at OTAs than he normally would. He usually, I guess trains out in in his home state of California exclusively. He didn't do that this year. He made sure to come in uh, for quite a few sessions, and then he's looked good, uh, you know, so far in preseason as well. And they had a nice connection uh, hit Winston and him at the against the Titans last week. Uh, so
1: yeah. So he's a he's a late round dart throw type for you because he's a, he's one of those he's free. So. Yeah, right, okay. right. All right. What about Godwin? Uh, he's not being drafted early either, but he he made an impression last year, and there are many observers. I say I always joke around. I sound like President Trump when I say that. You know, many people say, um, and. <laughs> there's a lot of positive buzz with Chris Godwin. And, and there's a, seems to be some some belief in buzz that he could take a step forward. Do you do you buy that even with the whether or not his talent warrants it with all the mouths to feed? Will the volume warrant it?
3: Right, exactly. That's and that's a very salient point because the, the talent is there. I don't have any doubt about that. Uh, and I think even with the number of, uh, of receivers, a number of pass catchers, actually, to more accurately state, uh, he's still got the opportunity this year. There's plenty of talk of the Bucks almost going to uh, almost a base three receiver set in some cases because of Godwin's presence, essentially, that he's pushing the, you know, pushing their hand toward that because of how incredible he looked all of camp. I mean, basically, it seemed like every every day the report from practice was he he stood out the most of anyone uh, on the offensive side, uh, just making every kind of catch imaginable at, at all different depths of target. And so he's got, you know, obviously the size is there. Uh, I think there'll be enough enough pass attempts to go around for him to improve on those, you know, 34 catches for la- from last year. Uh Without a doubt. And I think they're going to make that a focal point anyway. They're going to make it a point to throw to him, um, you know, more often. And that's, again, going back to what we were talking about, Evans. I I kind of see reduced opportunity for him uh, this year because of guys like Godwin, you know, really emerging. Right.
1: Okay. Um, If, okay, so you're late round, let's say you're in the type of league where you're drafting a fifth receiver. Sure. Mm -hmm. Is it more likely to be Godwin or Jackson?
3: Um. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one. I think I might still give Jackson the slightest edge there because of what I consider just history, in the sense of the fact that I think he's going to be used and he's going to be a starter and he's going to. They're gonna. They're making it a point to, of emphasis to to get him the ball downfield more this year, as far as what they're saying. So I know, you know, it's close. It's close because I think Godwin is going to find his way to to at least 50 catches. But I'd still give Jackson a little bit of an edge. I think he'll just have slightly better production at least.
1: Okay. All right, let's go to the tight ends. So like last year, O.J. Howard is being drafted ahead of Cameron Brait. Right. Last year, Cameron Brait finished, this is standard again, a tight end eight and Howard was tight end 16. Now, tight end 8 sounds lofty. <laughs> right. 48, 48 for 591 and 6. I mean, the bar, the bar is not high to get there. Um, the, the book last year on this duo was that as, as much as they invested in Howard and they like Howard, because Howard is such a good blocker, he stayed into block basically that that sort of it, it it limited the number of pass routes he ran and breit is kind of not there to block he's there to catch so there was more opportunity for him that that's how i saw it and heard it from a lot of people and 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 i you know the the number of routes run and things like that kind of showed it what what do you see is it going to be more of the same this year
3: i think there's going to be a little bit more of a evening of the playing field between those two this year from what again what we're hearing uh out of coming out of camp and also uh well last last week i guess the titans again was a decent example of that uh both players with a pair of catches apiece um howard uh, had a slight edge in in the yardage uh but they both uh, howard actually outsnapped Braid in that game by by a good margin um and so it's it, it, you never know and this week with the dress rehearsal game might give us even a little bit more of an idea but I do think the talk there has been it's not it's something not completely different from what's going on with Jackson and Godwin, where you have the more established guy and then you have the guy picked last year going into his second year where big things are expected. They've also talked up Howard and saying we need to get this guy downfield more. Uh, last year, you know, we didn't do that enough with him before he got hurt. And and we need to we we can't just have him down there as an inline blocker all the time. And and so if we're to believe that, uh, it looks like they're going to be splitting those uh, those targets up a little bit more evenly this year, which is you know probably going to you know depress breaks uh, value a bit and and Howard's uh, you know should be boosted a bit as well. Okay, yeah, Howard only got thirty nine targets last year, right? Yeah. Thirty nine targets and six touchdowns on twenty six catches, which is what really you know it stands out and is a nice figure on sixteen point six. Reception. So, in that regard, you know, when they did use them downfield, they used them well. They yes. just didn't use them enough. Yeah.
1: All right. So, which which one would you prefer to have?
3: You know, I think I would actually roll the dice on Howard okay. Uh, okay. this year. I again, I just think uh, there's a little bit of urgency to this coaching staff, and they, I don't think they want to uh, to go down without using their best weapons. And and Howard's another example of one that's that you know picked high, the big investment in him. And, okay. Uh, there you go.
1: All right, the last thing. The defense, uh they finished fourteenth last season thanks to four touchdowns. The rest of the rest of the performance was not that great. Right. Is there anything to see here from a fantasy standpoint?
3: Well, things have changed a lot, at least on the personnel front this offseason. So there there really may be something to see because as you're saying, that, that number was deceptive. You know, the, the, the passing yards per game allowed actually uh I believe were the worst in the league last year. That secondary, um, you know, really, really just struggled to, to stop anyone consistently, and uh, one of the first things that's changed, ironically, you know, last year things kind of uh, a lot, way too much hinged on Vernon Hargreaves it seemed, and yeah. his performance performances, uh, you know, it, it disproportionately hinged because he wasn't able to really step up, and then, uh, you know, you had you had to you were forcing to go to other guys that you didn't plan on starting. Uh, at times and everything else, it was just kind of a mess. And this year, the combination of they, they got two impressive rookies in in Davis and Stewart, uh, who they drafted this year, who could both are big guys they both can play press coverage if needed but they've they've been doing pretty well adjusting to zone as well uh in in training camp and then the added pressure up front we know the old adage that uh, you know good pressure up front is the secondary's best friend really uh when the quarterback is going to be prone to make a lot more mistakes when you have consistent pressure and jason pierre paul vinnie curry uh and you know whenever he does get healthy even the defensive uh the rookie defensive tackle vita vea Uh, is, you know, they're expected to to make a big impact as far as new additions, along with, of course, Gerald McCoy, you know, right there in the middle as well. Right.
1: What about, is Spence going to step up? What's going on with him?
3: Yeah, well, uh, Spence is another interesting guy. We we talked about Barber's uh, body transformation uh, earlier, and and Spence did that the opposite way. He gained, uh, reportedly, about 40 pounds uh, or so, or 35 pounds this offseason, up to about 260 on a meal plan of about eight or nine meals a day. And nice. he got it's all, apparently all raw muscle too. Uh, so one of those lucky guys that can pull that off. And he, I mean, it, you know, he wanted to get stouter against the run, obviously, which is what, what that whole purpose of that was. And, and reportedly the, you know, the returns and the, the the reports out of camp were that it worked. He, he looks quick. He's retained his quickness that he had. Uh, that was his kind of his calling card, but he's, he's holding up a lot better against a run so far. So, as a guy coming off the bench, let's say as a rotational guy on third downs, I mean, he could really be a terror uh, if everything is to be believed.
1: Would you well, draft these guys in, say, a fourteen-team league with one defense? Could you would you do it or not?
3: Yeah, I would. Uh, you know, as as a late, I, I actually would take that that uh, chance because I think that the pressure is really going to be amped up this year. And of course, we know what the the domino effect that can have. And we didn't talk, you know, the the rest of that front seven. Which has gone unmentioned, you know, those three linebackers. Uh, once Kendall Beckwith is, is able to get back on the field, uh, they have a, an incredible trio of linebackers that are tackling machines. So, right. uh, with, yeah. So,
1: all right. That's a lot. You know, Juan Carlos just, wanted, you know, we went probably twice as long on the Bucks as we did on the Ravens. <laughs> on
3: the which is good.
1: We got a lot of information. Not, and the Ravens are boring anyway.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the Bucs, it seems never a dull moment with them. One way or the other, there's always something going on.
1: So. Well, there's more skill players to talk about,
3: really. So, right. Fantasy players. All right. Um, what,
1: what are you going to be working on coming up soon?
3: Yeah, there's a lot of that going on, as always, with me with Rhoda wire uh, in addition to football. So I'm, I'm kind of busy year-round with that. I also cover uh, daily fantasy industry and the sports betting industry uh, for a couple of other sites as well. So I stayed pretty busy.
1: All right. He is at, uh, you are JC Blanco 22 on Twitter, right? Yes, So correct. All right, follow him there. Sports betting, Buccaneers, whatever you want. Check him out. Juan Carlos, <laughs> thanks a lot for being with me today. Thanks for having me. All right, appreciate folks, it. listeners to the podcast, get a free 10-day roto trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Take a look now, rotowire.com slash pod. Remember, if you like the podcast, leave us a review and a rating. We'd appreciate it. We got a couple of nice ones again yesterday. And I want to thank you for that. And thank you for listening again to this edition and this week of the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. We'll be back on Monday with another show. So come on back then. For John McCackney and Juan Carlos Blanco, I'm John Halpin. See you next time.